Sometimes we judge on appearances. Sometimes appearances get in the way of us hearing the message. Sometimes appearances get in the way of us hearing from Jesus. After Jesus had made a name for himself as a teacher and a healer, he went back home to his hometown of Nazareth. And we read what happened there in Mark chapter 6, 1 through 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So Jesus goes home. Local boy makes good. And a synagogue official asked Jesus to be a guest speaker. As he was speaking, he, people were amazed at his words. He had insight into the scriptures. Where did he get these things? Earlier in Mark, we read about him that he taught with an authority not like the scribes and the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law and the scribes were formerly trained. They studied under certain schools of certain rabbis. A rabbi would start a school in his home. He had so many students. And if you were graduated from that rabbi's school, your pedigree followed you. So if I was a visiting rabbi today, Pastor Mike would have introduced me as the Reverend Dr. Stan Vandenberg taught by Sproul because I studied under R.C. Sproul. So their pedigrees followed them. Not only that, scribes and scholars wore certain kinds of robes that let everyone know, I'm a biblical scholar. They also didn't teach of their own authority. They would teach a a certain passage of scripture, they would say a verse, and then they would say, well, Rabbi so-and-so said this about it, and Rabbi so-and-so said that. It would be like me backing up every verse of scripture and comment on it by saying, well, Luther said this about it, and Calvin said this, and R.C. Sproul said this, and my whole sermon would be a bunch of 
quotes. Jesus didn't teach like that. He just taught the scriptures like he knew what they meant. And indeed, he knew what they meant. By the way, he taught out of the Old Testament. That was a scripture of Jesus. It's a scripture of the apostles. It's a scripture of the early church. I say that because some people say to me, why do you preach out of the Old Testament? As if the Old Testament isn't scripture. At least Jesus said of the Old Testament, that's scripture. So Jesus was teaching at the synagogue in Nazareth. And the people were wondering, where did he get this wisdom and insight? He doesn't have an advanced degree. And we've heard he does miracles. Let's see some of that. But for the most part, they thought this. Is this not the carpenter? Tacton is the word in the Greek. It means craftsman. He could be a craftsman in wood or stone or metal. He could be a handyman or he could be a builder. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, it says that Jesus is the son of the tecton or the carpenter. So it appears that Jesus learned his craft from his earthly father, Joseph. But whatever his occupation, they thought of it in a derogatory way as a way of dismissing him as a teacher or anyone that could be prominent. Now, we in America really don't have a problem with this. The idea of a common person rising up and becoming prominent, maybe even the leader of the country, that's a great American story. But in Jesus' day and time, a family of laborers would beget a family of laborers. They had seen him in the shop of his father, Joseph. Maybe they saw him make house calls with his dad or saw him at the construction site. Jesus himself was thought of as the town's tecton until he was 30 years old. He did not have the robes of a scholar He wore the clothes of a carpenter. And they had known him his entire life. Isn't this Mary's son? And aren't his brothers, James and Joseph and Judas and Simon here? And aren't his sisters all here with us? Someone there in the synagogue might have changed his diapers when he was a baby. They probably saw him play in the street. They saw him hauling building materials for his dad. And imagine what it was like being one of his brothers. The Hebrew school teacher probably said, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? Or I can hear his siblings saying, yeah, well, mom thinks you're perfect. (laughs) Or Jesus thinks he doesn't do anything wrong. Familiarity led to contempt. The town people thought, 
We know him. He doesn't look like a scholar. He doesn't have the pedigree of a teacher. And he certainly cannot be the Messiah. Let's look at verse 3 again. It's printed in your worship folders. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? And then we read, and they took offense at him. Mark tells us a shortened version of this story. Luke fills in the gaps with more information in Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. Something happened between the us and the and at the end of verse 3. I think Luke tells us what happened. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then he probably went on to tell them what the Messiah would do. Paul spoke well of him, Luke says, and were amazed at the words that came from his lips. But somewhere in the sermon, Jesus said, I'm the Messiah. And their thoughts, huh? Isn't this the son of Mary? Don't we know him? And you could see the people in the pews starting to go. Jesus knew their thoughts, and both Mark and Luke record Jesus quoting a proverb. Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Meaning, prophets and preachers who grow up among their relatives, among people who have seen them grow up, they don't have the same honor as someone who comes from the outside. Jesus then tells them about two prophets that were rejected by their own people, Elijah and Elisha. He says there are a lot of widows in Israel during the time of Elijah when it didn't rain for three years and there was a famine for three and a half years. And yet, of all the widows, Elijah was sent to a widow in Zarephath in Sidon, a Gentile. And there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet. But the prophet wasn't sent to any of them. Instead, he was sent to Naaman, the Syrian, a Gentile. 
And at this, the people became furious. The people of Nazareth did not believe. Familiarity clouded their perception. And he had the gall to say that the Gentiles would be more accepting of the Messiah than they? That's what happened between the us and the and in Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Does familiarity get in the way of us marveling at Jesus? We've heard about him our entire lives. And sometimes it's, yeah, Jesus. And we kind of dismiss him. And we've heard the gospel articulated to us and explained countless times. And when we start to hear it, we think, oh yeah, I know that. And we tune out. Familiarity just leads to us dismissing him or his work. And when we do that, we treat him with contempt. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He has saved us with an amazing grace and he's included you in it. Marvel at it. Be grateful. Now let's go to verse 5. He could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief or their lack of faith. The people of Nazareth did not believe in him. And this lack of faith limited what Jesus could do there. The text says he could not do many miracles there. Now, when you read some commentaries on this passage, I read seven, trying to figure out what are they going to do with this, and all of them said he wouldn't do any miracles there. And the reason why they said that is because they don't want to limit Jesus. They don't want to put handcuffs on Jesus. Yet, when you read the text, the word is couldn't. I read a text, right before I preach it to you, I've read that text in English, then I read it in Greek, and then I read it in Spanish. I read it in Spanish to keep up my Spanish, but I always get nuances from the text by reading it in Spanish. The word in all three languages is couldn't. There is a way to say wouldn't, and it doesn't say that. And I, too, don't want to limit Jesus, so what do I think is going on there? Here's what I think is going on. Faith joins us to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what Jesus does 
is ours because we're joined to him. We get his righteousness. And because we're joined to him, he gets our sin and he pays the debt for it. By this same union, we are joined to the spirit who indwells us. And thus we have his presence, his guidance, his peace, his sanctifying work working in us because he lives in us. Faith joins us like marriage joins husband and wife and adoption joins a daughter and father or it joins a powered device into the power source. But if you're not joined to the father, if you're not joined to the son, if you're not joined to the spirit, in faith, the problem isn't with them. The problem is with our connection, which is faith. Jesus is amazed at their lack of faith. Last week, we read about a woman who said, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. And she's healed, and Jesus marvels at her faith. And here in Nazareth, he marvels at their lack of faith. Would Jesus marvel at our faith? Or would he be amazed by its lack? Or would he have us increase the faith we have? Because faith can be increased. It is increased as we interact with God's word, with people who also encourage our faith. And this is why in our grow groups, we want you to be in groups of people that are interacting with God's word and where there's authentic enough community for you to say, I'm struggling in my faith so that people can actually speak into you and build it up. And our faith increases as we take God at his word and do it. Yes, it takes faith to take God at his word, but as we take God at his word and do it, then our faith actually increases. Jesus works through faith. Nazareth was the hometown of the Messiah. He loved that town. Oh, the wonders he would have done there. He would have healed them. And he would have delivered their souls. But because they had not faith, they missed out on Jesus. Oh, the work he could do in us or through us. 
if we would draw near to him in faith. Not just believing in him, but believing him. Taking him at his word and doing it. And drawing near him in faith. It is by faith that we enjoy the fullness of knowing, loving, and becoming like Jesus. When I prepare for my sermon, I have a list of 10 questions that I ask of the text. One of the questions is, Lord, what do you want to say to your people through this passage of scripture? And that's the place where I pray and I will wait there until I feel like the Lord has given me a word for this congregation. Here's the word that God impressed on me this week. There is more I want to give them. There is more I will do through you and in you if you would only believe. I don't want you to miss out on Jesus. I don't want our church to miss out on Jesus. I don't want us to come to the end of our lives or the end of the age and look back on what might have been. I don't want us to miss out on Jesus. Whatever is keeping you away, put it away. Draw near and believe. Let's talk to him. Lord Jesus, we're going to pray that your Holy Spirit help us to marvel at who you are. Lord, we're going to pray that you again move us to marvel at the gospel. To marvel that you included us in it. And Lord, there's places in our lives where we are not believing you. Maybe we believe the temptation more than we believe you. Maybe we believe what the world says more than we believe you. Oh Lord, by your Holy Spirit, will you cause us to take you at your word and to do it? If something is keeping us from believing and the issue is us, the Lord, this morning, we're going to decide to put it away. If there's something that's keeping us from believing and it's like a circumstance outside our control, Lord, work in such a way that we will marvel at what you've done for us.
I pray for those who are, are without hope because they think, well, my life can never be any better or any different. I pray they have faith to believe that you are active in their lives and in this world. Now we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.